They say that those golden days when your children are little and sweet are gone in a flash. And I, for one, can vouch for that being the case. And while you can't slow time down, you can hold on to those memories. Most of us parents have our mobile phones stuffed with photos, those perfect moments captured digitally. But because we so rarely print them out, we don't enjoy them to the full. Which is why I'm delighted that this episode is sponsored by Bob Books, great quality photo books which are easy to create and will make all those wonderful photos much more accessible. Having spent years putting off the job of going through all these photos myself, I've created a series of them, documenting the Fogel family adventures year by year. And I've got to say, I've loved the process. The trouble is that we forget things and going through my photos each evening has enabled me to relive those memories. And when the books finally arrived, we all loved going through them together, laughing and marvelling at those fun times. So go for it. Delve into those thousands of photos you have stored on your phone and turn them into something you'll treasure forever. As an even bigger incentive, Bob Books are offering our listeners 20% off their books. Just visit bobbooks.co.uk and use the code parenthood 20 all capital letters and all one word at checkout valid until the end of august enjoy hello and welcome to the parenthood when you're pregnant for a second or third time a lot changes that bump which first time round you cherished adored had conversations with and played music to largely gets ignored because you have an older child who is doing their best to take up all your attention time and love I remember how full my days were with one child and wondering how on earth I'd manage with two children who certainly at the beginning would have very different needs. Well, with me today, I have the Bump Class resident expert on second babies. Jo Hooper is a midwife, mother of three adorable girls and teacher of the next Bump Class, a new class we're offering, which sets you up for life as a mother to two or more children. Jo, welcome. Hi. <laughs> I've also got Kiara, Dr. Kiara Hunt, uh, my sister and co-founder of the Bump Class with me today. Today, we're gonna try and shed a little bit of light on what the challenges might be, the, some of the preconceptions you might have have had. Joe, your girls are two, five and seven. Have I got that right? Yep, yep. Um, right. Is life with three more or less hectic than you imagined? Um, I think it's far more hectic than I ever could have imagined. <laughs> um, and I had two really close together um, and then I have had a bigger gap. And I can safely say that the challenges are different for both. But I suppose there's there's benefits as well. So the common mistakes um, that people make when they're expecting another child, I think that idea that your next child, your older child is going to be delighted by the news that you're so delighted with. And that's, you know, I get it. I remember thinking my children are going to be so happy. Well, you and... know that you're giving them the best thing mm. ever. You know, a sibling is just the most wonderful thing you, you know, anyone could have. Um, but they are used to being the center of your universe. Yeah. And suddenly someone else is coming in and invading that little bubble. And I remember someone telling me, you know, you coming and telling your sibling, your only child that they're expecting a sibling is like your husband coming home and saying, darling, I've got great news. I'm going to bring home another wife into our family and I'm going to love her just as much as I love you. And you're going to be so happy because this is just the best thing for you. <laughs> I mean, I, I, know, I know how I'd feel about that. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think as well, it's that um, you've got to remember that they they might not care at all. Yeah. They might be so disinterested and not to feel sad about that because actually most young children don't have any concept of, of the future or of time really. It's not a sort of, um, a, a sort of solid thing for them. Um, so it's also if they seem completely disinterested that that's actually more normal than anything else. 
Um, and then maybe that's quite a good thing. And what's the best way to react if they are disinterested? I think you just need, you do not make a big deal out of it. Yeah. I think the more we put pressure on these little children to act in a certain way, um, sort of that you won't get the answers you want from them at all. Um, just leave them be. They'll probably just say, oh, that's nice, and then go and play with their toys. Mm. I remember my little girl, when I showed her my um, the scan photo of the new baby, actually cried because she was worried because it looks like an alien and she was like I don't what's that doing inside you is it hurting you and she was actually really upset and she just sobbed and I was filming it obviously and uh, she just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed she was like that baby's hurting you what what is it it looks like an animal Um, so I think basically don't have any expectations and especially with younger children because again their concept of time you know we're probably telling them around the three month mark um and that's another six months until potentially they've got a baby brother and sister which for them is like six years for us yeah and actually i think it is a good idea and i say I, i tell people who are having who've just found out they're pregnant um just to try and wait as long as you possibly can, because actually, if they don't, if they don't know that you're going to have a baby, and and then suddenly you've got a baby, sometimes that's a little bit easier. Like we said, they haven't got any concept of time, so if you can wait until twenty weeks and they haven't noticed, that's absolutely fine. Yeah. You don't need to tell them straight away. Um, We're often telling them it's more for us than yeah, for them, isn't exactly. It? You're wanting to share this news, but it often is a disappointment yeah. <laughs> with the reaction yeah. that you get. What's the best way to tell them? Would you say? I think you can. I think you ha- every child is so totally different. Um, I think you can definitely sit them down and make a little bit of a sort of occasion of it. Mm. But I think inevitably, um, if they're sort of under four, it's going to be quite an underwhelming experience. Over that, they'll probably be really excited. Yeah. Um, but equally, don't put pressure on it because you'll only probably be disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> well, and also there is that natural feeling of, of jealousy. You know, we yeah. we are slightly wired, hardwired, you know, to survive in environments which are way more hostile than the environment we live in now, where essentially, you know, we were probably one of 10 children and the child that got the the least attention didn't thrive, didn't flourish. Yeah. And um, so we are slightly wired to try and get as much attention as possible from our from our parents. And actually, then the news that something's going to come in between that attention is not necessarily going to be great news. No, exactly. And also, pregnancy takes a toll on you. You know, actually, physically, you, you're not yourself often. And for the first 12 weeks, you may well have felt really sick and you've got to look after another child. And then actually you know, earlier than in your first pregnancy, you start to feel aches and pains. So actually, you're not the best parent you could be in that nine months too. And I think often then you're, you're feeling really guilty and your child might start to play up and there's loads of other factors as well. So I think it often coincides with when your child's maybe turning two and going through the more difficult toddler stage and you're wondering if is that is that because I'm pregnant no exactly and you can't pick them up as much and you're much tireder and then presumably you know even if you've got an older child who's should be really excited you then get to the stage where there's the sort of oh gross mommy and daddy had sex or mommy had sex and that's just something I don't want to think about yes but you always have to be totally factual they always say if you if they ask any questions even if it's a very young child you must be factual if you try and explain it in some sort of magical weird way it actually is not a good way of doing it you have to say exactly if they ask you an awkward question you have to answer it properly um and be really direct because actually that's the best way for them to learn to understand that's how they process the information Mm. 
Well, I remember, you know, talking to a friend of mine who told her child that, you know, daddy gave her a special hug. And then this child was worried worried that she was going to get pregnant with special hugs. (laughs) And, you know, you just, like you said, I mean, we've done a whole podcast on talking to your children about sex. So I think if you're anticipating that question, Mm. definitely have a listen back to that. But yeah, honesty is always the best policy, isn't it? definitely. Okay, misconception number two. Um, And I I think I see this a lot. I see this a bit with with babies, mothers pregnant with their first baby, not slowing down. Mm. You know, that feeling that you have to continue life at the pace that you always did and then ideally actually um, with your second baby things are tougher because it's not like you've got weekends to chill anymore you're running around after a toddler you're feeling guilty if you're not with your toddler or your older child and so it's harder often isn't it to, yeah. to slow down with the, with the second child it's really hard and often you've you know if you've got a smaller gap you may have fallen pregnant from you know only being back at work for you know six months or so so you're actually quite exhausted from that as well um, and I think it does take its toll on your body. The first time round, everybody's very indulgent about pregnancy and you, you do loads of special things for you and the bump. And then the second time round or the third time round, it's all, almost sort of forgotten and the toddler takes precedent. So it's really, really important to um, take time and, and, and look after yourself and, and nurture your bump and actually go and celebrate it because, you know, you're only pregnant for such a short period of time. Um, so it's important to go and do all of those things you did the first time in terms of packing the hospital bag and, and all of those things. And things like, you know, doing pregnancy yoga. I mean, we did a, we did a second babies class the other day and actually one of the biggest pieces of feedback I got was it was so nice spending time focusing on this bump yeah. because I just haven't done it since I've been pregnant. It's all about the child that is sort of demanding so much of my time. Yeah, you have to do things like that because actually pregnancy yoga is only going to take 45 minutes out of your week probably. Mm. Um, and actually it's because otherwise you you have this baby and it's such a shock. You have to try and remember that you are, are going to have another baby um, and, and do something that's going to make you bond with that. And for that reason as well, you must try and go to all of your appointments on your own, not with your toddler, so it can just be about you and this baby. Um, I think that's really important. And talk about the pregnancy with your partner as well, because often life is so busy and you barely even have a conversation about the fact that you're going to have another baby. And I think it's really important to talk about it with them too. One of the things I hadn't um, really thought about was, you know, your advice not to take your toddler to scans, especially. I mean, you know, actually the scans are there to spot anomalies and you could actually be having a difficult conversation at a scan if they're worried. And I think it's really for the medical professionals to be focusing on the baby and making sure that they can concentrate and relay any sort of um, anxieties that you might have. So I think you you really need to be on your own and not have children with you. They're really quite strict about that. And I think even if you go for a private scan, um, I think really, really think about taking other children with you because also for them, they don't really understand. It's one of those things that we do for us because we think it's going to be a lovely experience for everybody. Like taking your husband along. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but actually it's, it's not. It's about making sure that the baby is fine and your toddler or older child probably won't really know what's going on. So I, I just wouldn't, I wouldn't take them. I think it's just for you and the medical professionals to be there and make sure that everything's okay with the baby. And like you said, you know, a sonographer has to... To diagnose mm. you know they can miss stuff potentially and if they're distracted because your child's having a meltdown which is really quite likely yeah. to happen they might miss up stuff and then that's you know, yeah. even if it's an older child who is interested yeah if it is suddenly a difficult conversation that they've noticed a defect or something then then that's not a conversation you want them to be part of no and also because you don't know how you'll react even if it's something quite minor um i took my eldest to my middle child's 12 week scan and it was a disaster. She cried the whole way through. Oh. I had to give her loads of snacks and I didn't concentrate. And I left thinking, 
Oh my God, no wait, this poor baby, I, and it's already neglected and it's only 12 weeks in utero. <laughs> um, so I think really try and, and do those things on your own. Um, you don't need to bring your other children with you. I mean, people forget too, especially if they've had a straightforward pregnancy first time round, that actually pregnancy is precarious. Mm. The reason that we are looked after, my midwives and doctors, is because there are risks. Um, and um, I think you also, you know, the, the more pregnancies you have, the more high risk they are, aren't they? No, exactly. And also, I do think what happens in subsequent pregnancies is that you you don't um, think about it as much. So things get missed. You know, the first time round, you're so in tune with your body. Like, oh, is this right? Is this not right? I, you know. Well, you know exactly what's happening when. You've got the apps that exactly. tell you how big you know your how many weeks is, what's you are. developing and, you know, what, exactly what appointments you have to yeah. go to. You know. and, and then second, third time mums, they don't even know how pregnant they are, they are let yeah. alone have their notes with them. And then they come to their appointments and they'll say to me, I've not felt the baby move for a whole day and actually that's not okay and you've got to remember to go in when you feel you know when you're worried about anything and remember those things that are more you know you've got to be more in tune with things that are going to be more high risk and call the hospital if you need to um well again you know i often find that my patients they might not seek medical attention when they would have done with their first yeah, because exactly. they've got a toddler or a child to look after and it's just a lot more impractical yeah. so they'll think oh i haven't felt the baby move but i'll just give it another night and see and see i'll go tomorrow if it's still not moving yeah. and that's that's disastrous exactly and so it's not to wait on it you've got to do exactly what you would have done the first time round and try and remember that put this baby first in that in that incident um and just make sure that if it is a logistical thing with your toddler, they can just come with you. It really is absolutely fine. Yeah. We're constantly, you know, looking after women whose other children are with them. Yeah. And it's not, that's not the sort of green light. We're not saying worry, worry, worry. No. Um, but we are also saying, you know, try just to be aware. And I guess the important things are remembering to sort of monitor movement and just making sure that you're feeling movement frequently and that the same sort of rhythm that has developed, that same pattern mm. is continuing. Um, in terms of other red flags, what, what, what other things quickly to be worried um, about? So normally later on in pregnancy, you just got to be aware that any sort of very severe headaches normally accompanied by blurred vision and not normal. Um, and you must go in and get your blood pressure checked. Um, obviously, any bleeding at all is not normal, um, and any constant pain um, isn't normal. Um, if your waters break, you must go in, even if you're not sure. I often find that happens with second, third time mums, is that they they feel like they should know what they're doing, and so they don't access help when they need to. So their waters might break, but they're not quite sure, but they don't want to make a big deal out of it, and then they don't go in. Um, and it's really, really important because then the protective barrier around the baby is gone. So if you are even at all questioning that, you must go in. Um, and any itchiness in your uh, the palms of your hands and soles of your feet often um, can indicate um, other problems. So any of those things, they should all be in your hospital notes as well. Um, you must go in and just get um, double check. Um, everything is fine and it's potentially worth thinking about getting maybe a bit of extra help um, yeah. for those last weeks um, really ideally in your last trimester maybe upping the help you know if you do have even if it's someone that comes and helps you with the cleaning um, if you can just upping that a little bit in the last trimester so that you can have a little bit of time sort of on your off your feet yeah and also is that's quite good for your toddler or mm. for the older child to get used to someone else sort of maybe lending yeah, a hand exactly. if you've got a, a grandparent who's going to help a bit when the new baby comes looking after the toddler or you know just getting getting everyone used to that situation yeah. for, for a few weeks before the baby arrives is really and, yeah and also you're often then quite immobile at that point and really uncomfortable so bath time and you're probably not as fun to be honest yeah um and so it can be really nice for the toddler to have somebody else there who can 
give them the attention that they need without you feeling really guilty the whole time mm. or even just like chatting to your partner and just yeah. saying listen once this new baby arrives we slightly need to divvy up these duties because there's going to be twice as much work to do and maybe again if your partner can start taking on some of those roles yeah. earlier because then the adjustment too is going to be you know more easy when that second baby you know if daddy has always done bath time for three months then that's much easier to to in terms of continuum rather than it sort of suddenly changes once this baby arrives no exactly and that's all about discussing this pregnancy with your partner and having a really open relationship about the help that you need um, so that even in the pregnancy you're not letting any resentment build up um, because they do need to really help you and you know most people most most people can come home and help with bar time a couple of times a week um, and you need not to put that night. yeah <laughs> maybe not every night if not every night yeah um, so I think you have to put that in well before this baby is born mm. so that you can have that help and so that you can rest. And it's good for their relationship too. Um, because often we've had women who've said that actually their toddler is so attached to, to mummy, mummy, mummy. And then you have another baby and then neither of them want daddy. And actually that makes it really, really difficult. Yeah. yeah. And I think also we're slightly to blame. I mean, I definitely saw it in me that I was, I didn't let my husband get yeah. involved because I was just worried that he wouldn't do it quite right. And that you just need to let go, don't you? And sometimes that's a great opportunity to do yeah, it. Yeah, and they will do things wrong. They, of course they will. Um, but they, you have to let them do that and not criticize them all the time. Um, and I think if we're less controlling, then it's, it's, a, it's a good thing too. One of, uh, I think one thing you see a lot is is women expecting their second labours or third labours to be kind of as long and arduous and tedious as the first. Um, that's yes. not the case, is it? No, not at all. Um, and actually, in terms of frequency of um, uh, babies being born at home, um, not planned being born at home, um, they, they tend to be second time mums who've had really long awful labors the first time and they literally do not believe that it will be quick the second I time i just don't think it's possible no but we spend a lot of time don't we with your first baby saying you know, don't rush into hospital yeah. it's going to take quite a long time to get going and that is completely not the case for second or th- no. if you've had a vaginal birth the first time round, yeah you can sort of almost forget about forget the- that bit you've done the latent phase already yeah. but your cervix is already like that you know when, once you've had a baby doesn't um, ever go back quite no exactly so you know, you only really want to be at home having regular contractions for an hour at the most, really. Mm. And what's good is that the second time round, they don't send you home. They'll tell you to stay within the hospital or go for a walk locally. Um, so you won't be going sort of back and forth. But it's much better to go in early than have the baby on the bathroom floor, which it really can happen. Yeah. And, and just worst case scenario, if that does happen. If that does happen, those babies that are born really quickly at home are fine. They're absolutely fine. Obviously, call an ambulance and they will also be in touch with midwives. So they'll come and help you at home. Um, once the baby's born, straight onto your chest, um, warm towel, um, give it a really good rub and then put a nice clean warm towel on top. Um, and then a hat um, and just leave the umbilical cord alone um, and just have some skin to skin with the baby and somebody will be there to help you but these babies do really really well they they normally come out screaming um, and then we're normally with within 20 minutes with you and they normally call uh, the sort of community midwife whoever's closest to come yeah to you, exactly so, so we as a community midwife we'll all get a text saying baby being born at home who's closest and then whoever's closest will stop doing what they're doing and go and help the lady mm-hmm. at home so um, practically, I mean, you, you, this pushing stage usually takes between sort of one to two hours with first babies. Is that also much shorter? It's much shorter. Um, so half an hour, um, it can be less than that as well. Mm. Um, and I think what's really important is to 
listen to the midwife because I think when it happens quite quickly you have a tendency to panic um so just really listen and try and and try and keep calm um so that the baby's born as slowly as possible so if you're at home and you're feeling that urge to push um and you know you're in the pushing stage you want to stay at home then don't you You don't want to try and get to hospital even if you're close yeah no I would stay at home and just then know that you're going to have the baby there get the towels ready call the ambulance get the midwives to come around and help you but don't go and get in a car um, because you'll be much more comfortable at home it'll be a much more controlled environment and like I said before, those babies, they're, they're absolutely fine. We're taught as student midwives not to panic if you, you know, come upon someone in the street who's having a baby because those babies are fine. Yeah. And I guess one, one practical thing is just making sure that the door is open. But if, it, if you are upstairs and you're on your own, they'll get there. They'll, they'll, get, they'll in. get in. It's absolutely fine. Don't worry about that. But if you, can't, if, you're, if you can open the door and then go and go upstairs, that's much, obviously a much better idea. But hopefully you won't be alone anyway. If you feel things are progressing, just go and knock on a neighbor's door. And we've obviously talking about the sort of, you know, negatives of, of labor being speeded up, but there's obviously real positives. You know, yeah. labor tends to be easier second time rounds. If you had a straightforward labor, even if it took a long time, it does tend to be a bit more palatable. Yeah, second straightforward. Time round, so it? even if you had a forceps or a vontus the first time and that actually was quite traumatic, mostly um, you'll have a normal delivery with no assisted, not needing any assisted delivery at all the second time round. Um, so that's a really positive thing. And your recovery is normally really short because you haven't been in labor for that long. So you've normally had a bit of sleep. Um, so normally you feel quite good, to be honest, mm. afterwards. Mm. And then thinking too, I guess, you know, being open to the idea of, you know, going to a birth center um, or even opting for a home delivery if you had a very straightforward delivery last time and you're not too mm. far from the hospital because... No, exactly. Know. And actually, if you had a very quick delivery the first time, um, it, you have to consider a home birth because actually you're then in a really controlled environment um, and the midwives will be with you the whole time. So if, if medically there's no, no need for you to go to the hospital, it's definitely a good thing to um, have a discussion about. Obviously, though, the question is, is that uh, where do you put your toddler? Because, oh, yeah. uh... <laughs> and you need to be so organized with that. Even if you're not having a home birth, you're going into the hospital or whatever, you need to have childcare from the very beginning of labor. You do not want to be contracting with your toddler watching because it doesn't go well, obviously. Um, you need to have more than one option for childcare too because often things will fall through or someone will get stuck in traffic. And I promise you, I've come to, gone to loads of accidental home births where the toddler's just been watching. And um, I think that the, the main trauma is that the toddler's been there the whole time. Um, the trauma for the mother. You mean. Yeah, yeah, not actually the fact that they just had a baby. Yeah. Um, but toddlers are really resilient. They honestly, they don't even normally, you know, sort of bat an eyelid about it. Yeah. Um, but have childcare from the very beginning, so you can just focus on this this baby and this labour and yourself actually, um, rather than having to focus on on those other people. And then obviously your baby is born and we all get very excited about introducing (laughs) our baby to its older brother and sister. And this is going to be a moment that we're going to cherish forever. But it's often not the case, is it? Oh, no, absolutely not. And I think we can safely say that more often than not, this first meeting is a disaster. Um, I think... You know, no, it's got, true. It's yeah, true. it is. You it put, so often, even in hospital, where they're you know, so excited about bringing their toddler in to meet the the newborn, and and actually the toddler invariably has a meltdown, <laughs> and uh, and and you know is sort of dragged screaming from the room because yeah, mummy's there with the baby, and it's awful. Yeah. And I think where possible, really, really try and have this first meeting at home. A hospital is no place for a toddler. It yeah, really isn't. Like, and even if you've had a normal delivery, you're normally really hot. You know, you just had a baby. You're tired. 
just wait until you get home um, where you can actually have it in a, in a more planned environment mm. um, that will benefit the toddler. Because it's so important that you, you welcome your toddler with open arms and, and it's not that they have an association with this new baby and you holding it in a hospital bed with a hospital gown on. Um, so really try and, and make it at home and there's lots of different ways you can do that. Um, but it's much better if you're sort of in a controlled environment. Yeah, a lot of people have said it's, you know, allowing your toddler to find the baby yes. and, you know, sort of encourage them with, you know, you've got a new baby brother or sister, so we should, can you find him, you know, and see. And then you're, the toddler comes in and finds him and you're there without the baby in your arms so you can give your, your toddler that big hug. No, exactly. Um, and so they don't feel threatened and they feel like they've had they've contributed to this new baby being brought into the house. Mm. Um, and, you know, little babies, they just they just feed and, and sleep mainly. So mm. you can focus on the toddler. Um, and I think if you're at home, you're much more likely to be able to do that properly in the hospital. And even if you're going privately, it's really not a great idea. If you've had a cesarean, you're really sore. You probably have a catheter in, a cannula in. Um, I think, you know, where it's... Unless it's absolutely unnecessary, I wouldn't um, bring the baby. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we've seen it. I saw it when when Ivy was born and we brought Otto in to see Ivy. And and it was really distressing, I think, for him to see, you know, for that first meeting. Yeah, yeah, no, I think it was. I think definitely at home is better than in the hospital. Yeah, even with older kids, actually. Because also, like we, we talk about, even trying to be discharged from the hospital can sometimes take a whole day. So if you've got your older children there waiting and you're all going to go home together, you, I mean, you might be six hours in and everyone's getting annoyed. So I think really it's, you, you don't even have to have your older children come and visit you. And even if you have a cesarean and you're in for a couple of days, it's still, I mean, it's probably toughest on you, the mum, not being able to see your, your older child for yeah. that long. But if you've thought about an environment in which they're really happy, they're really content, they're having loads of fun, it's so much better, isn't yeah, it? Just exactly. to hold that off. Um, they're not going to know, you know, that you've been gone for three days. They have no perception of that. So just yeah, leave them one day or three or a week exactly. Or yeah. um, leave them having fun with their grandparents or aunt and uncle or, or a friend or whatever. Uh, they'll be absolutely fine. Again, it, it's our own insecurity. It's actually nothing to do with the other child. Mm-hmm. Um, so just try and try and remember that. Don't feel guilty. And then with that first meeting, avoiding putting too much pressure yeah. on them. So, I mean, when you were saying how you were filming your first meeting. Oh, yeah, and it was I mean, awful. Nothing puts more pressure on a moment no, than if it's being like, filmed. Put your phone away. It's not going to go well um, if you're sort of standing behind the your iPhone. Um, and like, like I said, just... Try and em- embrace your toddler, but they might not care at all about their new baby. Mm. They they probably won't, to be honest. If they're under the age of three, they'd probably be relatively disinterested. And um, I guess also it's trying not to ask those loaded yeah. questions, which, you know, if anyone did to us in real life, if I was like, Joe, here's your present. Do you like it? Do you like yeah. it, Joe? Do you really, really like it? How, yeah. Tell me how much you love your birthday present. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we wouldn't behave like that normally. No, exactly. So if you're, you know, shoving this baby in your toddler's face saying, do you love your big brother? Do you, do you love your brother? Do you love... It's it's really unhelpful. Filming it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it won't go well. So I think just don't put pressure on it. And you know what? You'll have that amazing opportunity to film a lovely sort of interaction between the two of them, probably in, in a month or so. But I think initially it's not a good plan. It, it won't go the way you think it will. <laughs> um, I think what people struggle with a lot is the reaction of their older child. Um, and, and that can range from absolutely no interest to a little bit of interest to being really quite nasty and Mm. quite aggressive even to the younger child well it's often the first time you've ever seen your toddler be mean or felt that they're mean and that's really hard as a parent really hard because you 
you feel responsible. You feel like you've you've done this to them. You know, they're suddenly we're a really lovely, kind child, and then you've introduced a sibling, and they've become horrible. Mm-hmm. And of course, that's not the case. It's a transitional thing because you know you've you've had a new baby, and of course, that's going to be a big adjustment. And also, they're young, and they'll be sort of a bit all over the place, regardless of whether you'd had another baby or not. Um, so it's don't put don't put pressure on yourself. You know, they probably will have incidences where you might find that the older child maybe hits the baby or um, is not very kind. Um, and you just need to try not to overreact to those situations. Mm. It's a really normal process. Mm. Um, that You know, children are emotionally all over the place when you when you bring another baby into the house. Um, well, anyway, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. Emotional. So it just takes time. And if that situation occurs, you have to be really, really calm and take a breath, to be honest, because your first instinct is to protect your baby, your vulnerable baby that can't stick up for itself. Um, so take, take a breath and then just give it, give it a bit of time to sort of, um, settle down and then take your toddler to one side and just say, you've, you know, you seem a little bit sort of upset today. What can we do to make you feel better? As opposed to shouting, which Mm -hmm. I think I've definitely done a million times and (laughs) I can safely say, um, it doesn't end well. So don't do that. (laughs) It Um, doesn't work. No, it doesn't work (laughs) at all. And then everyone's crying, including yourself. So, um, try and be calm if you can. Um, you're not going to be able to be calm the whole time. It's going, you're going to have episodes where you cannot and and that's absolutely fine um I I once read something where they said you can be sort of a really good parent 75% of the time um and your children will be absolutely fine so you know you can have those moments where you're not a great parent that's absolutely fine um your children will be okay um but I think just don't overreact and be consistent with the way you you react to your toddler um Otherwise, it's obviously a bit confusing for them. So it's probably worth having this conversation with your partner. Yeah. If you've got any childcare, just so that you're all reacting in the same way. Because the last, yeah. you know, the last the inconsistency just doesn't help anyone. That's what they crave, isn't it? No, exactly. Children. And I think it makes them um, play up as well if you're inconsistent. Mm-hmm. I've, de- I've definitely done that. And it doesn't help with, with dealing with any of those sort of really tense situations. And you know what? Your baby is fine. They're so resilient. Mm. You know, even if your toddler picked it up out of the Moses basket and dropped it on the floor, it would be fine. We're not so, encouraging that. No, don't, no, don't do that. <laughs> but um, it, they are yes. really, really yeah, resilient. Absolutely. So try not to worry too much. And, but, and also not to be too overprotective yeah, exactly. because you always tend to, to protect the younger one because they are less less capable even as they get older and so often the instinct is as soon as if they're together as soon as the younger one starts crying straight away saying to the old one what have you done what have exactly, you done yeah. and of course that's so unfair yeah the little one once they start becoming a bit cleverer will, will, will work that yeah exactly <laughs> um and then as well for the toddler they always feel like they're doing everything wrong, wrong yeah. um so you just have to to make sure that you don't overreact, essentially. Mm. Um, and I, also when, you know, the toddler's holding the baby, not to sort of say, careful, careful, before yes. they've even done anything. Just actually to say, gosh, you're doing such a great job holding yeah. your big brother. And, you know, that's the key is that they're trying to get your attention. They're often trying to get your attention with bad behavior. So if they hit their brother and you're, you're, you give them loads of attention, negative attention, but still loads of attention, they've kind of won. Exactly. So I guess the best thing you can do is just ignore it. Mm. Try and talk about it when things have calmed down a bit but then praise and give them loads of attention when they exhibit good behavior and it's it's empowering them too isn't it I mean any child whether they're two or eight or 
or 12 likes to feel powerful and responsible and like the maturity that they have is a real bonus so that if you can even if you've got a two-year-old say you know make stuff up and say oh look he stopped crying while you were singing Peppa Pig he <laughs> yeah. loves the sound of your voice and then you're associating that sort of positive reinforcement with that good behavior and then just trying to ignore yeah. as much as or, possible you know, your, ba- you know, your baby's starting to cry do you want to go and ro- rock the basket a little bit and mm. see if you can make him stop oh well done you've done you've done such a good job you can make him stop crying much better than I can that sort of thing no exactly and just to remember that it's they have to learn to share you yeah. you know that actually that's just part of life it's like such a good life lesson for them so although it can be really turbulent to start with by giving them a sibling they're actually going to learn loads of things that will make their future life actually much better they'll become a much better well-rounded person so actually just remember that that you're you're going to you know teach them behaviors that are really beneficial in the future yeah and also you know the idea that home is a safe place Mm. because very often we've got little children who are delightful in school and in nursery and then they come home and they're poisonous to you and you know tell this to the teacher and they're like what Iona surely doesn't behave like that. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Um, and But that is actually really good. It's important for them to have a safe space in which they can behave in sometimes a bit of more of a challenging way. Yeah, and actually it really represents a secure attachment to, to you um, as their main caregiver, really. Um, so you should be really proud of yourself if that does happen I know that that's really easy to say but actually that means that they feel so comfortable with you that they're really holding it together at school or at nursery and then the fact that they're horrible to you is that is that they feel really comfortable so although it's really it can be really upsetting um you have to take the the good from that the the benefit that they're not doing that at school because actually that would be really stressful as well And it doesn't mean you let that behaviour happen, but you just don't take from it the words, I hate you, mummy, really mean I hate you, <laughs> yeah. mummy. And you will have that. Like, hating hating mum behaviour when you've had a, a new baby is so common. Um, and although it's really upsetting for us, it's better that it's directed towards us than it is towards anybody else. And it doesn't mean that they hate you at all. Um, I've, you know, had a friend who's little girl kept asking for a new mummy when she had had her baby sister and actually that's really really horrible (laughs) it's like they know how to really hurt you and obviously it's I think it's so easy sometimes as a mum to go down to their level and be like well that's not very nice is it like I mean you're so mean to me but obviously what if I said I wanted a new daughter yeah exactly (laughs) and you've got to try and be a bit more mature and not so sensitive about it because actually it's just a process that it actually hate you yeah What's really hard, I think, um, is thinking, right, I'm pregnant with the second, but I've done it before. So that's mm. going to be so much easier than it was first time round. I mean, speaking from experience, I found having two as opposed to one more than 100% work. Yes, more so than having hard. just one. More than twice the work. Yeah. yeah. It's really, really hard. Well, the labour is easier, generally. Yeah. Takes one positive. So you do feel better quicker, but actually you've got so many different entities to it because you've got the sibling relationship your relationship with both children and also your relationship with your partner and their relationship with the children so it's not just double the amount of work it's like quadruple the amount of work um and it's just to remember that and not to worry about it too much you are never going to be perfect it just doesn't exist you'll have good and bad moments within the day Um, and I always think it's try and work on a daily thing so you like try and have a, a good moment with the children per day Um, You don't have to have good days. That's not going to happen. Children are far too unpredictable. Um, You want to try and have a couple of things a day that you do that are really nice. But 
um, not put pressure on yourself to to be perfect all the time. Well, quite often, especially if you've had a relatively easy child first time round, life can seem quite structured and organised and calm with that yes. kind of older child and just one and two adults, two parents, and you know, able to give them all the attention they need. And and I think, however organised it is, there is an element of chaos when number two arrives. Yeah, all all there of that is. routine goes out the window. Um, so common for toddlers to regress totally into a, a more, more of a sort of um, baby-like way. Mm. Um, they stop sleeping. Yeah. They might regress from potty training. Well, they, might want be to be, they may want you to cuddle them and rock them like exactly. a baby. They, they may, may want, want a bottle, bottle yeah. dummies. Yeah. Um, they probably won't eat the food you're, you're making them that they did love before. Mm. Um, and I think you absolutely have to pick, you know, choose your battles. Mm-hmm. You cannot win everything. And you know what? If they want to eat white food for a month, that's absolutely fine. <laughs> it really doesn't matter. Um, like as long as they're eating something, I don't don't beat yourself up. It's just not worth it. Um, you need to make it a really an easy transition for all of you. And if you're constantly battling with your toddler, it's absolutely not going to happen. Yeah. yeah, I remember my son watched a lot of Peppa Pig when my daughter yeah. was born. But you know, he's fine now. He's not totally addicted oh, to no, screens. It's fine. a short term. And yeah. do you I remember those days where you're sort of just struggling slightly with the breastfeeding, and they they need you so much, little babies. It's whatever gets you through exactly. the day, really, isn't it? Yeah, don't don't put pressure on yourself. Not to, if you want to put the TV on for you know half an hour or so that's absolutely fine I think there's so much judgment between parents um and you need to do what works best for you and actually talking of breastfeeding that means that if that's really tricky you introduce a bottle really early on you know actually that might work really well for your whole family so don't put pressure on yourself with with the breastfeeding it can be really really tricky the second time around yeah I mean, it can be easier the second time yeah. round because actually you don't know, faff around with bottles. But I guess not being afraid to make the right decision for you rather than thinking, well, I did this for the first baby. I must do this for the second baby because, you know, actually the second baby is probably going to get a little less attention. But they're growing up in an environment that is probably way more stimulating. No, exactly. So there's, there's, you know, and often you're much more relaxed mm. as well. Like I actually found having two children really close together quite liberating because all of those little things I panicked about the first time. I didn't worry about the second time. So actually, my second child probably got a much more relaxed me and probably a little, probably a bit more fun, um, not so paranoid well, I and mean, worried. We, we, do, we try to do it also perfectly for our first. Yes. And I don't think we necessarily do them any favours. I think when you look, I mean, all the children I look after, often the first ones are, are, although they've had everything in terms of what their parents could have given them, they're often slightly less well-rounded than the second or third because because they've had that attention no exactly so they may be a bit more clingy they may be you know fi- a bit more fussy yeah you know, anxious. find it harder at school socially <laughs> yeah. you know there's lots of you know and that is a bit of a pattern with firstborns and that's nothing we can do about that because you're not going to try not going to not try your hardest first time around yeah but it's just to remember that you're not neglecting that second yes, child it's exactly. actually really good for them to be in that environment mm. where they've got to share with a sibling and, and all of those things mm. um, and that it just takes a bit of time for everybody to adjust so if that means you you have to do things that make it easier for you so give a bottle or put the tv on or give them some biscuits it's fine or ask for a bit more help I mean that's the irony isn't it that people very often really willing to offer help when you've had your first and then that sort of recedes with your second but that's that's when you need it the most and I guess thinking ahead thinking well what time of day do I find most challenging for me it was like that whole bedtime bath time when we were all exhausted it's awful yeah um, and even if it's just, you know, like you said, getting your partner to come home a bit early, just in those early days, or getting your neighbor or your sister or your mother to come around, or even paying for someone just to be there during those three hours so you've got an extra pair of hands. Mm. Because it's remembering that that's when your newborn is often cluster feeding if you're 
um, breastfeeding. So that that latter end of the day where you've got to bath and, and you've also got to give your toddler supper and put them to bed, that's actually when the baby wants to be permanently attached to your boob. And you have to re- remember that now and put some help in place mm. because actually that can be really stressful for you if you're trying to do everything at once and, mm. and you just and actually can't. And the toddler and baby as well. Yeah, and I think it's so important that the the toddler is put to bed by you on your own, that it shouldn't be something that you all do together with the baby and you're breastfeeding the baby. It's actually really important that that moment in your in your other child's day is just you and them, mm. whether it's a story. And even if that means putting your toddler to bed 15, 20 minutes later than they normally exactly. do, it's better to get the baby down, even yeah. if the baby's you know unsettled and crying, and then have some more, more proper bedtime with your toddler. Yeah, exactly. Like if you have to leave the newborn to cry downstairs, that's absolutely fine. Just reassure your toddler that the baby is fine it's just that's it's where it's communicating it's just chatting to us and as long as they're in a safe environment and as long as they're not obviously screaming in distress but it's absolutely fine and and actually make don't put pressure on yourself to make them all happy at that stage of the day it's actually not going to happen Mm. Um, which is why if you can have a little bit of help for the first sort of three months um that would be good makes all the difference Mm. doesn't it with this whole kind of cult of being the perfect parent, I think what very often happens is that the mother in particular focuses all her time and energy on the children and trying to make sure they're okay, but actually focuses very little on herself. Mm. And that whole very old um, fashioned adage that, you know, happy mother, happy baby is slightly ignored. And actually, I think as mothers, we would make our lives a lot easier if we focused a little bit more on our well-being, you know, on the understanding that our children see us happy and content Mm. and coping they're so much more likely to be happy and content whereas they see us feeling like we're failing and not coping that however much their needs are met doesn't mean that emotionally they'll be as secure exactly and also we are you know women are essentially like the the captain of the ship in terms of the family so if you're feeling really exhausted and you know, sapped of any energy and and all of those types of things. And it really does impact everybody else. So it's so important that you take a bit of time each week um, to do something for yourself. Um, Even if it's having a bath, it doesn't have to be, you know, going out anywhere or making, you know, complicated childcare arrangements. But it's so important that you take care of yourself because otherwise, quite quickly, everything will fall apart. Um, and, and actually your partner really needs to know that, that he, that you need a bit of time to yourself, but equally they do as well. So you and your partner could sit down and, and make a, a weekly wish list of things that you might like to do. Um, it could be together, it could be separately and try and, and do one of those things. So whether it's your partner going for a, a beer with a friend or you having a bath and just like an hour to yourself, um, it should then make sure that you sort of, um, give yourself the time to rest and rejuvenate really yeah yeah and actually sitting down and having that conversation is quite therapeutic because yes. you help each other understand what those kind of spoiling but important things are I mean it shouldn't be spoiling is it have a bath but yes. you know it, it, it can become how like it that. changes <laughs> yeah, when you exactly. have children <laughs> but, <laughs> what you considered necessity beforehand suddenly turns into a luxury but it can often be quite unequal can't it and it's not always the case you know some families you know do manage to make it quite equal but tomorrow I would like to brush my teeth yeah, yeah. <laughs> on my own I'd like to go to the loo on my own yeah. please yeah. <laughs> um, yeah all of those things and also I definitely felt having two very young children that I I was jealous of my husband going to work 
Mm. And he'd, he'd get up, he'd be able to get dressed by himself and then go and sit on a train. I was like, well, that's just not fair. Yeah. You're already winning and it's, it's the beginning of the day. And I think it's not letting that resentment build um, and making sure that you, you feel like you're getting the support and the time that you need on your own. Because actually, you, the only way it works to be a parent is if you're a team with your, your partner. Yeah. If you're not, then it, it, it very, very quickly unravels. Well, if you're so careless, you don't have any time off. You don't have evenings, you don't have weekends, you don't have holidays like you do in any other difficult job. Yeah, and I think it's important as well is not to give your, your partner the toddler all the time. That They have to take the baby as well because otherwise that relationship never develops and they never get the confidence with the newborn again. So making sure that that isn't the way that the dynamic works, that they have the, the toddler and that you have the baby all the time because that can be quite suffocating for you um, and actually it's better for the toddler that they're spending time with both parents. I think one of the biggest misconceptions about having a baby is that idea that I'll have another baby and my marriage will get stronger because we've got <laughs> two children to care for and love together. Yeah. And it's, it's just, it's so challenging. It does the opposite. I think it's the time in, in couples' lives that is probably the most challenging is when you've got young children. Because also you're, you are both sleep deprived. So even if you're the one getting up, they have disturbed sleep. And so all you do is endlessly fight about who's tireder. And I have to say that my husband and I made a pact to never talk about tiredness. No, we were not allowed to talk about who was tireder because actually <laughs> it's an argument that no one will ever win. Um, and it used to cause, you know, so much stress between us. But it is as a couple, you know, you, you have no time to yourselves. Um, and I think you feel like you, you're not giving enough to anybody. Um, and so it's so important just to take every month to try and go out for dinner. You know, actually, that's a really good idea. Just the two of you without yeah, the children. Yeah, exactly. But also to anticipate this, I think if you go into the new baby being born and thinking, oh my God, I'm going to love him so much more once this new baby is here. And then you're <laughs> totally flawed by the mm. fact that actually you really resent him going to work or coming back late or being around. And I think if you can then talk about it initially, anticipate it, try and build that relationship up, try and open those methods of communication because it's basically about communication. Exactly. You know, what happens when we're exhausted and really sleep deprived and time poor is that we don't have time to actually have a conversation. Mm. And once that breaks down, that's kind of difficult for any relationship so anticipating it beforehand maybe mm. thinking about you know how you're going to make it work putting in those sort of and date nights are so cringy but actually great idea yeah. and I think yeah, as planning well those holidays without the children exactly that you can look forward to and re-engage and try as well to have an evening I think when you've got a newborn it's quite difficult because you want to go to bed early because you're really tired but it can be really really nice to at least three four times a week to try and have supper together at home um, and not put on Netflix immediately. Exactly. Um, and actually have a conversation about your day and, you know, what the children were doing and all of those types of things. Um, because otherwise you really quickly get into a routine of getting back and probably eating on your own, then going to watch the TV and then never speaking to each other. Mm. Um, and like you said, like the communication is so important because otherwise all this resentment builds um, and then you end up just not communicating about anything. Um, so you have to do that really, really early on. Um, and try and spend time, like you said, just you two as a couple. I mean, I've got to say, when I'm really tired, I turn into a complete bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and I think that's the same for a lot of people. Yeah. You both then do. You both then stop communicating. And, you know, someone else comes into the house and you're so nice and you're so polite. And then you just find yourself talking to your husband like you, you hate him. Yeah. 
And then your children are seeing that the whole time. So just sort of thinking, taking that reality check. And, no, and exactly. also that, I remember someone said to me once, just remind, remember to say thank you. Yeah. Like we take each other for granted so much when we've got children. And actually it's so easy just to be able to say, thanks for yeah. unloading the dishwasher. Actually that made, meant a great deal. I, it didn't go unnoticed. I don't take you for granted. No, exactly. And just those small things like, thank you for bringing me a cup of tea. Thank mm. you for doing this. Mm. So important to appreciate each other. Um, so that you you really feel like you're not doing it for nothing. Because the thing is with children is that they're amazing, but they they just take take a lot from you all mm. of the time. Mm. And when you've got two of them, they literally take everything you have. And so then your husband comes back and you can't even be bothered to say hello, let alone give them a kiss. Mm. Um, and actually for them, you've got to remember that they've been at work and they haven't had all that love and affection and been suffocated all day by the children. And they desperately need you too. So if you ignore them they're only going to get more upset um, and more grumpy with you. So you have to try, try, even if it's really difficult for you. Like I always felt, um, I would sometimes maybe go and put a little bit of makeup on and maybe change my top just so that I felt a bit refreshed from the day um, and that I was making a little bit of effort for for my husband. And and actually that made me feel a lot better about it, that I wasn't just sat there in these clothes that were covered in vomit. I'm feeling grumpy about myself. <laughs> so it's quite good to feel a bit good about yourself. Yeah. A little bit sick. You feel so unsexy after you've had a baby. The last thing you want is any sex or intimacy. And, and that obviously plays a, a big role in, in terms of a relationship. So even just something little, like you said, putting on a clean top. Yeah, and even if it's just for you, it, it actually made me feel a lot better. And then I we could have a glass of wine together. It's those types of things, like enjoying each other's company, because it's really difficult to do that when you've got two young children. It's also often much easier with wine. Yeah, <laughs> everything's easier with wine. It's quite interesting um, hearing the sort of questions that 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 parents are most concerned about, have and are, uh, the, the things they're most concerned about with the first baby's course when they come on the bump class and they do their first baby's course and then compare it to the second. Because you know, with, the, with your first baby, you know, you, you don't you don't really know anything. You don't know what's going to happen, but it's all about the baby and the, it's all about the birth. Really, you're not even really thinking about the baby but with the second when when women coming on our second baby's course you know they're not even thinking about the birth they're not even really thinking about the baby the two main issues that always come up are the toddler and how they're going to respond to this big change and the relationship yeah exactly isn't it i mean it's extraordinary because i think as well you you absolutely know what it's like to have a baby absolutely so when you're pregnant the first time i think you you are idealistic and I think that's a really good thing I definitely waltz around the supermarket looking at tantruming children thinking god they they don't know what they're doing do they and that is my life now so um I think when you've got other you know other children you really know the reality of it so you want practical advice about how you're going to make it easier yeah um so yeah it was really interesting to see that they were the the main questions that came came up were your toddler and your husband. Nothing about yourself or giving birth or a baby. Yeah. Or, or the <laughs> they're easy, they're fine. Yeah. No, no one worries about perineal trauma. No, no, not at all. <laughs> I think one question that does come up, and I remember thinking this um, and being very worried about it, was how will I ever love my second baby as much as I love my first? And I remember being really worried about it. I thought I'd give everything to this child. I couldn't love this child anymore, but my whole heart is taken up with loving this child. But I think we can all agree sitting sitting here now that you do, you find it. Yeah, and actually I felt, because the labour was less traumatic, I actually felt that bond quicker the second time. Mm-hmm. I felt like, because I hadn't had all those days of the latent phase and all of that sort of stuff, um, that of, of course you do, you love them just as much. And however many children you have, you love them yeah, all. You know, exactly. You, 
equally yeah and just as much it's not like you're sharing your love between all of them you somehow there is just more lots yeah, more exactly some days you'll like one more than you like the other <laughs> most days <laughs> it's amazing yeah it, it is, is. And, and actually, I think often when you're pregnant with your second, you don't, you, you, you know, you want, they're in you, but you don't love them yet. Mm. It's not till you actually hold them, and, you know, maybe a few weeks after that. Uh, no, and, and also, really yeah, exactly. And then again. you see the sibling relationship develop. And mm. actually, that is like the most amazing thing in the world. So it doesn't, I know it's really, really hard, but seeing then your children interact with each other and make each other laugh and, mm. and even like gang up against you, that's what it's all about. <laughs> so it's definitely worth it. I remember so well when I think Iona was probably about two and Ludo was three and they were sharing a double bed. We were staying with my sister-in-law and I went in to kiss them goodnight, you know, after they'd gone to sleep, before I went to sleep. And they were both fast asleep, but they were holding hands. Aww. And I just was like, I think they'd been really poisonous all day. And I was like, oh, I love you so much. You're so sweet. <laughs> yeah, when they're lovely to each other, it's so, so lovely. Obviously, just that's not all the time. just don't expect to be that the whole time. <laughs> um, Joe, this is great. Thank you so much for coming along. Um, so the second babies class, Joe, obviously teaches that. Uh, so really, I mean, the, the, that's really what we wanted to do was a, a course that practically prepares you because it's not always the information you think you need, is it? No, exactly. And I think as well, you need, you really need a practical advice uh, about how to manage the toddler. And I think, you know, I wish I'd done this course before I had had more than one child. Um, and I hope it as well, it's sort of learning from our, our mistakes, you know, that you, you can't get it right the whole time, but we're going to try and make sure that we give you some advice in order to do it the best you can. And did you find going from one to two or two to three harder? I think one to two was pretty hard, I have to say. Um, yeah, just, a lot of people say that, don't they? Yeah. yeah. Um, and even though I had a much bigger gap and then had a third, which has had its own challenges, but uh, I think one to two was really hard. And it obviously depends on the children mm. and their natures and their characters. But, but I, I think, think as that's... well, it's just that physically, when you have a, a, you know, when you go from one to two, that is, it's really hard work. Um, and particularly if they're very young together, mm. um, you do feel generally exhausted the whole time, which is why you absolutely have to ask for help, I think you know second time mums are really bad at asking for help um and so you must access help and, and take it when you can yeah. yeah well as you can hear probably it's a concise uh, class it's full of practical advice lots of laughs really enjoyable um if you want to find out more check out our website thebumpclass.com and you can get details about the second baby's course thank you both for thank coming you. along today it's been great as always to chat to you and thank you all for downloading another episode of the parenthood please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to us. It helps boost us in the iTunes charts and makes us more visible to new listeners. Do also spread the word, which from the sounds of it, you're doing amazingly. So thank you. You can follow me on Instagram. I'm at marina.fogel. But in the meantime, from Joe and me and Chiara, thanks for listening and goodbye. Bye.